the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. Great to be with you today on this Friday afternoon. Beautiful day outside. And uh, my unreliable weather app told me earlier this week it was going to be just crazy rain once again. But I don't see it, but I see our... uh, beautiful blue skies and wonderful uh, snow-topped mountaintops. Anyway, I hope that you are enjoying your Friday, and I'm really glad I get to enjoy it with you. Uh, It is Open Line Friday, and on Open Line Friday, we'll take your calls on any subject, and we've got a few things that we're going to interrupt that with today, so uh, we'll take your calls as we have that opportunity. But on Open Line Friday, you can change the subject, and uh, anything you want to talk about, something that's on your mind, something in the news, a Bible story, or a question that you might have, today's a good day for it, 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at kkla. Com. You know, one of the things that we've done the last couple of days, I just want to say thank you for it. Uh, through uh, Dignity Freedom Network, we uh, raised a bunch of funds to save lives. And I want to say thank you. So many people did that. Cure a Child Now, you went online and you did it or you, you responded on uh, uh, by calling in, and uh, you can still go online if you want to do that, kkla.com or kprz.com. And I just want to say thank you for doing that. And, uh, you know, it's a wonderful thing that we get to do that together as the church. It's a wonderful thing that we can uh, spend some time doing that. And, you know, in the world we live today, we're going to talk some about that today and really try to get underneath some of the things that people are talking about out there with uh, respect to the World Economic Forum and things that they're saying about climate change versus other things that people say about whether or not we're really capable of even doing that unless we seriously address the poverty that's around the world, and uh, which I say, no, uh, we got to address the poverty and do it in a real way. We can't expect people just to stay poor. And or to choose to stay poor while we take all of the uh, stuff out of their country that we need to build our solar panels. It's just not going to work. That's not something that's going to happen. So we'll talk about that uh, today as well. And uh, we have a few things going on. You know, um, one of the things I think that we also like to do is to take some time to realize that when there are people that we see in the news or sports figures or Whoever it is, we want to always get past the celebrity of people who might be well-known and realize that these are people who are human beings, who have lives, who have families, who have a lot going on outside of what we actually can see. And sometimes I think that's hard. Something that has happened over the past few weeks, and we spent a lot of time talking about it on our program, is we have followed what uh, happened to Buffalo Bills star DeMar Hamlin uh, when he collapsed on the field, and uh, he was resuscitated, and we followed the prayer, we have followed uh, his recovery, and we've had a lot of conversation about that together, and really seeing how important it is that we see beyond the celebrity, that we see that people have lives, and that as Christians, whenever we're looking at a situation like this, 
whenever we're taking a time to observe something that's on the news, whatever the subject is, whenever we're watching a movie or a sporting event or something, can I encourage you to continue to pray for the people that you're watching? Realize that they have lives and they need Jesus just like everybody else. Sean McDermott, the Buffalo Bills coach, was interviewed today. And, uh, you know, as we've been praying uh, for DeMar, we have seen him recover and get out of the hospital. He's been visiting the field just about every day. I don't, he's not going to play, I think, for a while. This is Sean McDermott, uh, the coach of the Bills, uh, speaking about this today. He was asked whether or not uh, we're going to see DeMar at the game on Sunday. It's the divisional uh, playoff uh, between the Cincinnati Bengals, which is the same team that the Bills were playing uh, when this div- event occurred. Uh, I don't know the answer to that last question. Um, again, we're just going at DeMar's cadence, really. Um, it's what he needs and how we can help him and, and how our training staff can help serve him and we can serve him. And, um, you know, as uh, as anyone would do, we're, we're just trying to be there for him and um, walk at his pace, so to speak, uh, play on words. Uh, but uh, we're just there for him and, and uh, want the best for him right now. So, Um, It's been good having him around uh, when he's been around. There's always a human element. And, you know, if you're somebody who doesn't watch a lot of football and maybe it's going to be on in your house the next few weekends as the NFL wraps up its season, uh, you know, can you, if it's something that you just don't want to watch, you know what, watch it with this in mind. Watch it with the fact that there's a human element in every game. So we're going to hear about it a lot more in the Bills game because it took the nation um, captive. And something that we saw is people kneeling in prayer at the 50-yard line, players and every team, and that was extraordinary. And there's still, I think, things that God is doing. We are seeing players and staff and coaches come out and say, you know what, I'm rededicating my life, and or maybe I haven't thought about my faith for a long time. You know, there's there's people who are in in places in their life where they probably went to church as a kid or maybe their their parents really tried to instill the gospel with them and and maybe they accepted it for a while or maybe they didn't um but when we when we come face to face with with our mortality when we come face to face with death with the 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 reality that this is something that is potential for all of us not potential, it is. I don't mean to say potential. One out of every one person dies. Did you know that? Don't think of it as potential. We just don't know when it's going to happen. But I think one of the things that is most surprising is that it can happen at any time. Uh, And it shouldn't be surprising, but it is. And we all have to face this. And as Christians, we have the answer of hope. And that's something we always need to remember. We have hope. We have hope in Jesus Christ. We have hope that this is not the end, that for those who know him, they get everlasting life. Do you really believe that? You know, Paul tells us in Thessalonians, don't grieve like the world grieves. He doesn't say don't grieve when somebody passes away, but he says don't grieve like the world grieves. And that's because you have something else. You have hope. You've got hope that death is not the end, that death has been defeated. It's worth repeating over and over and over again, for, because I think as Christians, sometimes we forget that, and we suffer from the same fear that the rest of the world has when we think about death. And, you know, I think for the believer, we should not fear death, you know, on our own. I think that we fear that our loved ones are going to pass away, or, you know, or we fear that we're going to leave our loved ones behind. That's what I fear about it. You know, what I worry about 
myself, I'm more concerned about my boys and my wife and what's going to happen to them and those kinds of things. Personally, I don't, I don't fear. Um, I, uh, you know, I don't want to die in some uh, very slow, painful way that some people do. Uh, and it could be a morbid conversation, so I won't take you there too far. But uh, I want to uh, be walking down the street and get hit on the head by a grand piano falling out of the sky. Or a big safe, like the kind you put in a bank, you know, like Wile E. Coyote. That's, that's the way to go. But otherwise, you know, you have to go through that because of sin. The wages of sin is death. And um, that's something that you've got to go through. Um, 888-528-2557 is the number. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, and it is Open Line Friday. For a few moments here, we can take your calls if you want to respond or if you would like to change the subject. you got a Bible question or something like that. We can do that here in just a few minutes. And uh, we have a guest who's going to be with us here in just a few minutes. You don't want to miss uh, that. Officer Dion is here, and he has brought a guest uh, who we'll introduce you to here in a few minutes also. And we're looking forward to that today. 888-528-2557. is the number. Um, you know, as we – are you a football fan? Do you watch? I only watch during the playoffs. My my family usually forgets is that uh, they're like, why are you watching this? And I'm like, well, I like to watch the playoffs. And uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. Um, but, um, you know, that's uh, – it's, I think, just extra exciting this year because of some of the, the drama there that we have realized. And as we talk about that in this subject, something that everybody needs to know uh, – and everybody needs to think about. You know, maybe you don't think about this with people, but uh, your pastor, you know, has a spouse probably most of the time. Do you ever think about the spouse of the pastor or the spouse of the police officer or the spouse of the firefighter, the family of people who are um, connected to people and realize that, you know, something that happens to one, it can happen to the whole family. It can really it can really impact people. And I think about that a lot with uh, police officers. And, you know, there's, there are pressures that go on that we, we, we get one view kind of on, on the news and on the TV and other things, but it goes just like it did in the NFL. It goes so much deeper than that. And uh, I want to introduce you to that. Officer Dion is here with me today. And uh, if you don't know Officer Dion, he's been on our show several times. And he's a consultant who has worked with the police for over 25 years. And 23 of those years have been in downtown Los Angeles on the Skid Row community. He is a great advocate for the homeless, a real advocate for the homeless. Uh, Very passionate. I encourage you to go to his website to learn more. DionJoseph.org is the website. DionJoseph.org. Officer Dion, welcome to Southern California Live. I'm so glad to be back. How you been? I'm doing pretty good. Is this mic working there, uh, Wilbert? We're, try it again. Can we hear you? Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. I'm not sure if everyone else heard you, but uh, you're really here. I have been doing great. How have you been? Oh, blessed. Uh, this uh, beautiful lady right here sitting next to me has been uh, driving me crazy uh, oh, with, yeah. with chicken wings, but uh, outside of that. Yeah, good. yeah. Well, why don't you introduce this beautiful lady sitting next to you? Well, sitting right next to me right now is the love of my life. And when I say the love of my life, I mean it. I never, I've never loved a woman this hard in my life outside of my mother. So uh, she's had my back. It's Tasha Joseph. Wife, my wife for twenty five years. I should know that. Should know that. <laughs> and, to, and together <laughs> for twenty seven. <laughs> yeah. Hello, Tasha. Um, thank you for being with me today, and it's great to see you. How are you doing? It is great to see you as well. Thank you so much for having me. Well, 
I'm really glad that you came in. Last time you, uh, that Dion was on the show, we did take a moment to, uh, to promote your business, yes. uh, Comfort Wings. You have a food truck. Yes. And uh, we're not really here to talk about that, but I do want to talk about that because it's food and people are uh, always excited about that. How is it going? It is fantastic. We have been so blessed. Um, so many doors have been opening up for us and we are traveling all over the L.A. County, Orange County. Um, and so it's just a labor of love and I'm able to love people through food. We serve wings and fries and um, God has just been 100% amazing when you trust him and you jump and believe that he will be there for you um no fear whatsoever and yeah. he has he's just done amazing I'm not even going to be modest. She puts her foot in those wings, and as soon as you taste it, we're going to be across the country. That's, that's all I'm going to say. She is. She puts love in every bite, and I'm telling you, I'm so proud of this woman of God and this wonderful wife, and she's sharing with the world what she shared with me and my family for uh, almost 30 years. So yeah. I'm just so so happy. I paid for him for that, but it's okay. Well, that's part of having a business. You know, you get some paid, paid people to uh, endorse what you're doing. All right. So, uh, how do people find you if they want to? Uh, find out where your food truck's going to be so comfortwings.org or we're on instagram and facebook and tiktok comfort wings with a z um you can contact me via email instant message um call us uh, 562-400-0748 there you go there you go uh, yeah and so we will come out we do private parties we do um, we do everything. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's really great. I've watched that because I've been connected with Dion, and I've seen how this has evolved over the past several months. Yes. And uh, I think it's just really fun, and I think it says something about both of you. Dion, uh, how did you guys meet? How did you and Tasha meet? Tell the truth. And tell the true story. <laughs> the truth. Well, there's two versions <laughs> of the story. <laughs> <laughs> there often is today. You know, that's a, yeah. something I've noticed. Yeah. Well, uh, my version is we first met in 1994 at Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, and at the time, I was a quote unquote player. I you know just wanted to get her number, and then I went and got five more numbers. So. Right, I understand. Then you know, man, but I knew there was something special about her, but I wasn't ready. I yeah. was out there being not what God wanted me to be. So a year later, uh, I'll never forget. I decided to turn my life one hundred percent over to God and take it seriously. Because I wanted what my mother and father had, but God's not going to bless me with something that I'm going to mess over. Hmm. So I went celibate for a year. And that was like the loneliest period of my life. I found out women are just like men. If, if the magic ain't happening, they ain't calling. <laughs> so so uh, the year came up and I said, God, I tried. <laughs> I tried it your way, but I'm getting lonely. So I went to Venice Beach and I did what's called going fishing. I hmm. get into the pit and take my shirt off and start lifting weights and on the look to the right. And I see the most beautiful woman stalking. I'm <clears throat> sorry. Excuse me. Wow. Staring at me, <laughs> staring at me from wow. across the way. And it was, it was terrifying because I knew she was the one. And after ignoring her and trying to ignore her, something in my spirit said, that's your wife. And I went over and I started talking to her. And when she opened her mouth, it was like an angel started singing. I could still remember smelling cocoa butter and vanilla and chocolate wow. coming from her hair. <laughs> wow. and she had such class. And, yeah. and I said, this is my wife. And the one thing she said to me, she said, I saw you getting a whole bunch of numbers, but you know, why don't you put your shirt on? Go home and call me. And I was like, who the hell are you talking to, right? <laughs> but when she left, I was like, oh, let me go home and put my shirt on and get this woman to call. When I did, I realized that uh, this was my wife. I knew it. I knew so it. So you, you first met her at Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, which yeah. I think is an excellent place to meet somebody. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> by the way. And, uh, but then you happened to see her again over a year later. Yeah, fate. 
That's an amazing story right there, really, to, yeah. to see that. Is that how you remember it? It, it is. It is a little. Um, you know, I am a valley girl. I grew up in mm. Woodland Hills, California, and he grew up in Long Beach. So the fact that we met in at Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles in Hollywood, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, and the then, middle. yeah, we met in the middle. And then, <laughs> yes, at Venice Beach a year later. Um, and I do remember seeing him. And it was his eyes that drew me to him. And I did. I walked up to him and not, I just. Not the shirt off. Not the shirt. I wasn't. The flesh is. It's no good. It's no good. No. So I, you know, I believe I'm very old school. So I believe that the the men are hunters, and you have to allow them to hunt. Mm. We, as women, too often, especially today, will take over a man's job. You can't do that. There is a a a, an order. You know, I agree with that. I think it matters. Order. It matters. Um, But what we do is we give off. We let them know what they can or cannot do. Um, in the eyes, in the mannerisms. And so I did walk up to, they call it the cage at Venice Beach. And I just stared at him. And I just let him know that it's okay, you can walk over. Mm. And he felt a little weird for a minute. And then he walked over and we started speaking. And I did tell him that you can put your shirt on now. Yeah. This is the last number <laughs> you will get. Um, he did she some little down. line. His line was like, oh, normally I hug my friends, but I'm so sweaty. So he found me a little bit later um, watching a comedian, and he gave me a hug. And, you know, that was his game. She was the softest, softest thing I'd ever found. Yeah. So we literally from there, we went on a date, and um, we saw each other, like, almost every day. He drove 50 miles. Every so for the ladies, day. let them hunt you. It is their job to hunt you. And he came to me 40 miles 45 miles a day in my busted car because I had to know she was for real. Mm. I had to know that this is what God had. And every day she didn't change. She was the same woman. I loved her interaction with her family. She was always telling her mom she loved her, her brother. She loved her. And I just enjoyed being around that. And it became like a second family to me. And I knew that her heart was a safe place for me to land. And then uh, something crazy happened. I needed a job and ended up joining the police force. And uh, that's where her love really kicked in. Uh, because that was a very difficult thing, being African-American and joining a police force. I lost a lot of friends, but Mm. she was with me through the whole process, standing up for me, backing me up. I think you came to the orientation with me, Mm -hmm. and and they were telling her, uh, all the all the spouses and loved ones, oh, uh, your your husband or your wife is not going to tell you all the hard stuff. We did the opposite. You know, for 27 years as a police officer, I was able to tell her everything that was happening, and it helped uh, it probably saved my sanity with all the horrors that I see every. So I'm just so grateful that she's in my life. And uh, I, I really wanted to talk about spouses today and just saying thank you because you find out that we're human, uh, sadly, when we pass away uh, tragically. Yeah. Uh, Officer Cal, Deputy Calhoun from Riverside, and people didn't know that he had a wife and a kid. Probably the one man who killed him didn't know that he had a wife and yeah. a kid and another one on the way. Uh, and, and not just for me, but for all 800,000 officers across this country. I want people to know that we have people that love us. And I also want to lift them up and know, and let them know that uh, there are wings beneath our wings. There are reasons why we fight to get home. And she's one of them. That's why I brought her here today. Yeah. Uh, this is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. And my guest is Officer Dion Joseph. And he is a law enforcement consultant and a uh, police officer. And uh, today he brought his wife, Tasha. And we've been talking about how they met and 
And, you know, when you guys uh, were were going out, and uh, were you married already when he decided to become a police officer or were still dating at that point? No, engaged, actually, like mm-hmm. right before the uh, academy started, he yeah. proposed to me. Now, so. how did that how did that affect you? I mean, that's a big, that's a very significant life choice he made, right? Yeah. And a lot of stuff must have been going through your mind, you know, that maybe you weren't expecting at first. Um, I, you know, I just believed in who he was. Um, I have to say that there was a negative history within different family members with the actual agency he went to work mm. for. Um, my mother was kidnapped by them, mm. you know, um, so there was a history. But one of the things my mother did was never passed on her scars. And so um, the fact that he was going into this new, big, huge life altering career, life altering for him as well yeah. as myself, um, I prayed a lot. And we spoke a lot. And I said, you know, they said not to share. You have to share because we are going to be one. And that's how we're going to survive. And I just knew that I needed to be the kickstand and be on his side and with him. And if there was a disagreement or something I didn't believe in or understand, then we needed to discuss it with ourselves, with each other, not in front of everyone. So I just buckled up. I loved him. I knew who he was. Mm -hmm. And um, I believed that he would stay that person that I met and yeah. I fell in love with and yeah. he did. And I also have to thank her mother. Uh, like I said, her mother, this is a woman who was kidnapped by the police okay. and had family members who were killed. And this is, so, I mean, that's a significant story right there. Right? Yes. So yeah. she kept me grounded. She would uh, challenge me lovingly. And uh, like I said, I always thank my mom for giving me a heart, but I thank my mother-in-law for teaching me to stand up for myself. Hmm. And that was, that's what she did. And, uh, and she, I always kept her in the back of my mind when I, finally got my badge after graduating the academy uh, so i have a lot of people to thank and not just her but her wonderful mother who i just miss dearly who uh really supported me and she had every reason not to but they did and uh, that's why i am who i am and i'm so grateful you know maybe we can talk about that a little bit more after the break mm-hmm. and you know i'd really like to hear you know just kind of uh the way that as you have grown and you've been married for so long and you're in a profession that is just a tremendous pressure and every day, you know, there's risk. And, you know, we, we've we talked about it before, and I've worked with a lot of police officers on different things. The things you have to do on a daily basis, I think, blow people's mind. I think we don't get it. Uh, regular people who aren't police officers, mm-hmm. uh, how much is there? And, of course, there's some things that are in the news today. You can't talk about that right now, and I understand that. But just the general idea. So we're going to keep talking to Officer uh, Joseph, Officer Dion, when we come back, and his wife, Tasha. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be back as the Friday edition of SoCal Live continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today. Great Friday. And uh, I'm here with Officer Dion Joseph. And uh, he's a regular guest on our program. And he's been a consultant for law enforcement for over 25 years. He has a great ministry with the homeless, and uh, particularly in Los Angeles and Skid Row. And he's here with his wife, Tasha, today, and we're, it's great to have Tasha with us as well. You know, Dion, we wanted to take some time to kind of look past the, the badge uh, that, like in any profession, everybody's a human being doing uh, you know whatever it is they do, and they've got a life outside of what they do, and there's family, and... The, and 
with anything that we're we're watching, there are people who aren't on the screens, or you know, when something makes the news, mm-hmm. which usually is a bad thing, right? Yeah. Um, that was one of the statements we used to make: is we don't want to be on the news. Let's not, you know, usually <laughs> I've heard that many times, yeah, usually not good. <laughs> Uh, and we can't talk about some of the things that are currently in the news that might be on people's mind right now. But those things have, you know, people have similar experiences. And, and you guys have been through a long time with uh, uh, the police and uh, different events going on. What has it been like just as a family? Uh, how many kids do you have? We have three beautiful sons. Three boys. Yep. All of them are now grown. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. But they grew up in your household. (laughs) Yes. Okay. During some (laughs) trying times, trying times for our country, trying times for for police, and uh, with a lot of good and bad and difficulties around that. Mm -hmm. Tell us about this. What do do people need to know? We have people listening who uh, have very different perspectives from each other on these subjects right now. Right. Uh, who are on, you know, in our audience is big enough. We got people coming at it from all kinds of different positions. Mm-hmm. How do we humanize this and be able to look forward uh, and look at things in a way as Christians in particular, um, where we can be helpful uh, to each other, to the police, even to victims' families? We've had some time talking about that before mm-hmm. whenever mm-hmm. there's uh, an issue going on. The humanization of police officers is so important. Uh, a lot of people literally believe we're robots who are let out of a box and uh, released to engage in systemic uh, ra- racism and things of that nature. You should hear some of the things that a lot of these uh, this, the young future great minds of our nation are being told about police officers. Mm-hmm. And even if they can't put the jacket of racism on you as an individual, you're still guilty of it because you work in a racist system. So you guys have heard all the... And that's kind of the way that uh, the, the philosophy is everybody's part of a group. And even if you aren't participating in whatever yes. bad thing that group is doing, yes. even if it's only one or two, you're, you're responsible for all of it. For everything. Yeah. And I've heard that. Literally, literally had college students tell me. I remember there was a time I can go on a college campus and the kids were all ears. Now I can't even get on a college campus because I'm the bad guy. Hmm. Uh, you know, and I, I could be there to save your life. It doesn't matter. So there's a dehumanization of police officers. And, and I just think they really need to know that uh, when I get into uses of force with people, when I've been involved in situations that the average person wouldn't even be able to handle, I know they're wondering in the back of my mind, do I see that person I'm dealing with as a human? And the per- and the answer is absolutely yes. You know, absolutely yes. The vast majority of police officers know we're dealing with someone's son. We know uh, at some point we're going to find out we're dealing with somebody's daughter, somebody's father, somebody's yeah. child, somebody's wife, somebody's daughter. Uh, but the, what the public doesn't understand is we don't know that when we first meet somebody. Right. Know? You know, I, I know in a lot of these shootings we find out later, oh, he's a teacher. Oh, he's a father. They don't have that written on their forehead when we find them breakdancing in the middle street with a knife in their hand. We don't mm. we, we don't we don't know that. So but we do carry that in the back of our mind and go out of our way to try not to. But there are times where we are left with no choice but to use force. And most of the time it's reasonable. But it doesn't mean we're not human. It doesn't mean that, you know, that we don't care about the person. Uh, we have the same things you have. And the bottom line is just like we want you to get home when, when we contact you, we want to get home, too. So just like this on the back of our minds, we want that to be in the back of the minds of everybody that we contact that, look, we want this to go peacefully, you know? And like you said, nobody wants to be on the news, especially in right. 2023. That's right. What cop wants to get into a shooting of anybody right now? So, yeah. and I know for a fact that 800,000 men and women don't wake up in the morning saying, who can I kill today? 
or whose life can I ruin because they're African-American today? You know, we've taken the word racism and bigotry and all these things, and we've really abused it to the point that we've blurred the line, blurred the line to what it means. Uh, racism means that you feel your race is superior to someone else's, but that alone isn't racism. But you take that sense of superiority and use it to hurt other mm. people who aren't you. And I guarantee you that most police officers are not doing that. Yeah. So it's wrong to peg them all as racist, as monsters, and dehumanize them. you got to remember, you know, I know cops who are in, in, in interracial relationships. They're not racist. I know cops who have adopted children from all races and walks of life. They're not racist. I know cops from all uh, walks of life, all sectors of the community, and, and they do care. They, they, they are great human beings, but we just have to stop falling for divisive propaganda uh, that is destroying everybody. Just look, the, the, look at the term propaganda. The term propaganda, and you know you're hearing it because the term propaganda basically means to exploit or embellish a negative trait of your opponent or completely make up a negative trait of somebody you hate to get what you want. And when you're hearing such negative propaganda, I'm asking the general public to stop and pause. Yeah. <laughs> these people are wives. These people are husbands. I'm a husband. I'm a father to three beautiful kids. I'm not a monster. You know, I just want to get home to them. And we have fears, too. Yeah. You know, now having fears doesn't make you a coward. OK, not at all. The definition of bravery is uh, seeing past your fears to complete a goal. And what we have been trained and conditioned to do as the officers is go past our fears. Unlike you, you have the luxury of running. We don't. And we're just human beings doing that job. Are we going to make mistakes? Absolutely. Are there going to be times where we lose our cool? Absolutely. But it has nothing to do with hatred toward the person we're dealing with. We're just human beings. Uh, yeah. How do we, you know, I, part of what you're saying, I think, you know, I think people are beginning to sort of understand that some of what we're facing in the society with a lot of different subjects, what worries me about everybody's a racist or all cops are racist or we just put it is that we will not see the actual racists for who they are. <laughs> exactly. Does that make sense? Exactly. That that one side of that argument might go the other way and say, well, then nobody's a racist. Well, that's not true. There are there are definitely things that people are experiencing. Absolutely. Uh, and it's deliberate. Right. Yeah. And I'm worried that that person is going to get blurred in the midst of everything. Yes. You know, I used to say and in the political world, there's a. There's a slogan that somebody made up, uh, somebody's theorem, and it says that in any online conversation, uh, somebody will refer to somebody as Hitler within three or four minutes. And that's unfortunate. Yeah, me. right. And the problem is if everybody's Hitler, then nobody's Hitler. <laughs> that's right. Then you can't, well you're not going to identify the actual ones. And exactly. the same thing here. How do we, you know, and, and I think people coming f particularly from that, like you said, it's been indoctrinated. That is a thing today, right, mm -hmm. is that we are seeing it generationally. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in the next hour. Um, what? How do we humanize uh, police officers? In fact, even when he, when police officers do make mistakes, when mm -hmm. everybody agrees, oh, this situation, an officer did cross the line, and, right. and there is something here. Um, what would you say about that? It's just about being fair. Uh, and one of the ways to do that is right now the wall is completely up. Yeah. Uh, where one side says we have the microphone. And well, we know in the back of our mind that most police officers are monsters or brutes, but we're getting everything we want now. So we cannot have police officers being seen as human being beings and politicians are doing it. Uh, unfortunately, the negative exception of journalists are doing it. Everybody's doing it. But if you really want to heal this situation, show the good with the bad. 
I don't want to be seen as an angel who walks on water because I'm human. I've made mistakes, you know, but I also don't want to be seen as the devil. (laughs) You know, (laughs) nobody wants that either. So if you're going to show a bad cop doing something bad in some part of the country, you better make sure you show the other statistic that hundreds of thousands of traffic stops happen every day and no one gets shot. It's millions. Millions right? of people. It's millions happen of contacts happen all the time with no incident. <laughs> millions of people of color are talked to, detained, taken care of, people of non-color, whatever you want to call it. And for the most part, nobody gets killed. And if you talk about that, too, it might tamp down on a lot of the hatred that's going on. And you can see that these things are anomalies. They're not norms there they, they can happen yes can they happen frequently during certain economic seasons or uh, due to whatever pandemics or whatever uh, a rash of bad drugs out there whatever can it happen due to the summer summertime it gets hot people go crazy absolutely but for the most part it's not what people are saying it is you can best mostly just turn off your tv for a second and go outside and look at a traffic stop yeah and when you see that that officer didn't kill anybody that's the norm that's the norm. and bad things make the news that's right. Good it's cops. always the bad news or the rare thing. That's what's in the news. That's exactly. what makes it news. Good cops don't make the news. And I'm exposed yeah. to good cops, uh, the vast majority of good cops doing incredible things, but that doesn't make the news. An officer yeah. walking an old lady across the street doesn't make the news. Changing a tire doesn't make the news. Uh, uh, not shooting somebody doesn't make the news. Uh, uh, rescuing somebody. I mean, I've seen some heroic acts yes. by police officers that should be headliners you know, on any news station, <laughs> but it's not happening. And unfortunately, bad news sells. And if we can help get our journalists, and I'm not demonizing journalists, I know some great journalists, but if we can get some other journalists to get involved and say, hey, you know what? You know, let's show the other side too, so we can give people a sense of balance. That way, when something bad does happen, people won't say all cops. They'll say, but what about that cop that saved that child last week? You know, what about that cop that stopped that terrorist from bombing a building the other week? That's what we need to see. Yeah, uh, Tasha, you're you are a police officer's wife, and uh, we're going to take a break here in a minute. But as you think about these things, you've had to put up with a lot of different pressures uh, yourself. I think people don't yes. see that. Yes. Right. You know, what advice would you give to a spouse out there, a police officer, but, you know, everybody's spouse kind of owns what their their spouse does for a living. Mm-hmm. It's not as, uh, I think, significant usually as what you have to uh, deal with. What's a piece of advice that you would give? Um, I would say patience, prayer, listening. Um, start with those those three. And you got to pray. You have right? to pray before anything. You have to pray. Um, You have to listen and you have to have patience. And if you start there, it opens up the door to everything else. Um, We have to be mindful of there's a time to talk and there's a time to listen. And it is not okay for him to come home and have to be on the defense as if he is in the street. Mm -hmm. This is home is a safe place. So I am his safe place. And on the day that he comes home from work is not a day that I should browbeat him about an incident or something I saw on the news or, you know, I'm support first. I'm team Dion first. And that means his health, his heart, his mind, body, and soul, um, his, his three boys, they're all connected. And uh, just as he is the protector of our home, I'm the protector of his heart mm. and his kids. So the advice is to pray have patience and listen. It opens you up. I don't yeah. like crying, but you almost put a tear in my eye. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like it. Well, I'm going to give you a moment to compose yourself. And, uh, compose we're yourself. Come, we're going to come back with Officer Dion and his wife, Tasha, in just a moment. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. 
I'll be back as the Friday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today. And I'm with Officer Dion, Dion Joseph and his wife, uh, Tasha. And, uh, you know, Tasha, we have been talking about a lot of the tensions that are are there with uh, the police and this is you guys have been married for how long? Twenty five years. Twenty five years. Okay, so in twenty five years, there have been. Uh, you, you had to check in. It's always good to uh, make sure that uh, you're right yeah. on that. Yeah. Uh, how has this been for you as a police officer's wife, African American woman? So many issues related to race and George Floyd. Lots of events going back in that twenty five year period. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think for a lot of our listeners, you know, people go through crucibles in their in life and marriage and things that are not true. But I suspect that you guys have gone through some more mm-hmm. than what a lot of people go through. And with your three boys, you know, what what carried you through? Um, always prayer, always prayer. I had to do that first before he left the house. Um, and every day, every single day um, throughout the day thanking the Lord, asking the Lord to bring him back, and communicating with my sons. Um, you know, during all of this, with the George Floyd, everything, we have three young black sons, yeah, young black men. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that officers are human, that they have families, um, or even young black families when they are yelling racism or, you know, all cops this, all cops that. And so it was really important to me at some point I had to turn off the TV because someone else was telling the story. And it was important to me that my sons were not fatherless. Mm. Um, We went through threats. I remember social media that I just started defending him where people would, some people would say, well, not him, but right. You know, by any means necessary, but not him. Yeah. I'm like, but it's him. And if he's in riot gear or his back is turned, you, he doesn't have a sign that says, oh, this is Dion, not him. You know, because you're aware of what he personally may have done. Um, and so it was a it has been in a lot of different a lot of different times, a lot of different events that have been very scary. Mm. And it requires um, me to take control over the to balance our household the thought process of our kids and their environment um our relationship what he needs um you know he would come home he he wouldn't eat he would lose weight he would um just very very stressful times yeah um i remember the um north hollywood shooting i was working at uh i was working at the dwp at the time like uh probably streets away. It was mm-hmm. streets away. And this lady comes in and she says, you know, we had it all on the TV and we were getting ready to lock down. And she said, well, I hope they get one of them. So uh, as I'm giving her her receipt, I said, well, yeah, hopefully not my fiance because he's one. You mean and get one of the cops. Get one of the cops. Yeah. And, and I was right down the street from her. He, mm. Yeah. We had just hung up and it was just, I was just like, be careful, please. And that was my introduction to what this road would be 
we were engaged. We weren't married yet. We didn't have our three young black sons yet. And so then I knew that um, I had to be open. I had to be understanding. I had to make sure that he was okay and be be open for him to talk to me. Um, I had to defend him with friends, um, you know, friends, family, different people that had different experiences. And for me, you know, I know who he is. I know his heart. And he's been able to show that, but he's been given a lot of different opportunities that a lot of officers don't have. And so for those officers that don't have the opportunity to display their heart and they have to, they call chase the radio, Mm -hmm. meaning any call that comes out, you just have to get it. You know, a vehicle stop is one of the most dangerous um, things that can happen with a cop. You don't know what's in a car. And to me, that's really scary. And so I want people to see him as a human being. I want, you know, once he puts that uniform on, they all become one. They all appear as one. Um, there's bad in everything. There's bad doctors, lawyers, grocery clerks, everything. Um, but with the police department, it becomes, it's just so big and it's so dangerous. And people get so angry. In some instances, rightfully so, I understand mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, but as a wife, um, I would say as a friend, as a relative of an officer, it's so important not to join in and on the conversation, on the chatter, um, on the news. You know, we had, um, I think Dan was telling you earlier, one of our sons during um, one of the last riots and all of that, he just, he was in tears. Like, I just, I want you to come home. And that just broke my heart because yeah. they understood and got that dad may not come home. And that's where I'm at. My anger still uh, uh, exists today. My, my they broke my son's heart yeah. because my sons were looking on the internet. Your dad needs to die, you know. Your dad is one of them. And I remember coming home and I, how many days was I working? Like twelve days straight? I don't was, remember. Yeah. Twelve days, fourteen, sixteen hour days, and I came home. I lost weight. Uh, I, had, I rarely got to eat, and I came home and my they and I walked said, "Hey, family," put my head down. My wife turns off the TV, so I don't see the crap on the news. And my son, who rarely shows emotion, this guy is as cool as a cucumber. And I and I get ready to get into bed, and he opens the door, and I said, what's up, son? And he wraps his arms around me like he was four years old, and he says, Dad, I don't want anybody to kill you. That's what you did to my family, you know, my family who loves you, you know, who cares. Yeah. My family are, they've been raised to love, but you terrorized, you know, emotionally my family, making them think that I'm not going to come home. You know, and you got to recognize that. You know, we can't get so lost in our stances or our political worldviews and ends justify the means approach without thinking about the people who you're hurting. How do we get past this? I mean, we're in a we're in a place where this is happening in so many levels, but we've got to have hope that there is a way forward that people will begin to think um, and change. Well, one of the ways and here's one of the tangible ways, like if you have doubts about police and you want to really understand it, but you still have a shred of objectiveness to you. Go join the Citizens Academy. Hmm. And, and there is eight to 11 week courses, one day a week for three hours where you get to understand police tactics. You get to understand why we do, why we shoot, why we don't shoot, use of force, uh, shoot, don't shoot, uh, uh, internal affairs, how to make a complaint against or what your rights are, what our rights are, and the whole history. And it really puts you in the shoes of an officer. And a lot of people who we've done that to, even some of our most 
uh, ardent detractors, they actually started coming to the center. Uh, and now you got people encouraging people against that. Well, don't do that. Well, why would you encourage people not to see the other side? Yeah. You know, the, uh, one of my favorite people in the world, whole world was a pastor. Uh, and we actually worked together to do some incredible things on Skid Row, but I won't mention his name. Uh, and uh, I told him, I said, hey, why don't you join the Citizens Academy? Because even though he supported me on some of the things I did, you could tell he had an anti-police bend to right. it. And I said, why don't you come to the city? He was resistant. I don't want to see the other side. He literally told me that. I said, why would you? So you want to see what Black Lives Matter has to say, which you have every right to, right to do. And you know me. You know I wouldn't kill anybody or hurt anybody. And based on the strength of our relationship, you don't want to come see the yeah. reality of the other side. I think that's one of the big red flags in our own life. If we don't want to hear what the other side has to say, if yes. we don't really want to sit down in any issue, yeah. racial issues or political issues or issues with the police, whatever, if we just don't want to hear it, we're we don't want to, we don't, we're in trouble. That's mm -hmm. where we're in trouble. Because what I found is similar to you is that when people take the time to do that, it softens them. Yeah. They still may not agree with different things, but they understand the human element because we are different you know we have different perspectives but we're all people exactly and they take that back to their family and loved ones yep. and say hey this is not that or also once again our college campuses they're producing some of the greatest minds but right now a lot of them are being educated they're being indoctrinated that's right college campuses used to be a place where there was a diversity of ideas and thoughts. that was the point that was the point yeah okay you saw this bad police shooting or you saw this bad cop but let me bring this cop over here who's uh, not just me helping the homeless or, yep. or, 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 or donating, donating their time to mentor kids on the job or coaching kids in, in, in uh, rough neighborhoods. You know, let me show you this side, you yeah. know, that, you know, and, or, or let these officers explain themselves, let hear from the horse's mouth. And that's gone now. If we can ever repair that, you know, I think that would be huge. That would be huge because I used to, I took 3,500 yeah. college students out on the Skid Row tour because they were told that we were down there harassing people because they were homeless. Right. All it took was two hours to erase two semesters of indoctrination. Yeah. There are so many things that are false. We're about out of time and yet this conversation can go on a lot. So on on. we'll have you back. We, we've had uh, officer Dion on several times and, and I really want to thank you for coming here. And I know there's more and Tasha, thank you for being here for with us today me. and for sharing your heart and, uh, I can't imagine the difficult times that you've gone through, but but hearing your story the last uh, few minutes, um, I'm just I'm just moved. I'm a father of boys who has to deal with some things, but I've never had to deal with the the level of difficulty that you described a minute ago. And thank mm -hmm. you for being such a faithful mom and thank faithful you. wife, uh, Dion. It's a pleasure to meet your wife uh, here. Uh, we met once before. I don't yes. remember if you knew. I and do. The, uh, the, the, the fact that you met at Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles <laughs> is uh, the best place to, yes. to meet people, yes. uh, one of them, I think. Yeah. Um, thank you for being with us today. And uh, I know there's more to the conversation, and I want to encourage you, if you're listening, get involved. If you're struggling with police or you're struggling with something else or some other people group, get to know people. I think Jesus would do that. Yep. He wants you to go and get to know people because he wants us to love each other. And our enemy is the evil one. It's not other people. Jesus wants people to be saved. And when we're divided, it's because the evil one is winning out over our minds. And we need to give our minds to Jesus. You can get the podcast uh, on our show website or on Spotify. Just look for Southern California Live. Go to Officer uh, is it, what's your website? DeonJoseph.org. DeonJoseph.org to learn more. And uh, thank you for being here, officer. Thank you. And thank you, Tasha. Thank you. Southern California Live will be back with uh, Open Line Friday when we return. Stay tuned as the Friday edition continues. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.